So, tonight, we got a lot to cover, okay? So, I already told you guys, you asked a bunch of questions. A lot of them were good. Some of them we're not going to have time to answer. A lot of them we're not going to have time to answer. But my hope is we're going to address them throughout the year, as well as um, it, if we get a chance, we might record just some of the answers and upload it to our podcast um, channel just to get some more answers out there. But we are going to tackle some of the big ones, but we got to lay out some ground rules before we go into the questions, okay? A couple things. Number one is we're not going to do the answers to these questions nearly as much justice as I would want to, meaning we could spend all night on just one of these questions, but we're going to hit a lot of these questions just to try to get into some of the answers uh, as quickly as we can. So that's one thing. Another thing is I need you guys to handle this like middle schoolers and not elementary schoolers, okay? What do I mean? I mean, we're going to tackle some serious stuff tonight, and we're also going to tackle some silly stuff, and so I need you to respond like middle schoolers and not elementary schoolers. And so the reason middle school gets a bad rap sometimes is when you guys revert back to elementary school. It's not because of being in middle school. It's just because you're reverting back to elementary, and you guys aren't that. I know you guys are more mature than that, and so I need y'all to handle this stuff tonight like that. Y'all got, y'all down for that? Yeah? Okay. So those are the ground rules. All right. I'm going to hit the first ones kind of rapid fire. They're a little bit lighthearted. We're going to ease into this stuff. So we're going to ease into the pool, starting in the shallow end before we get to the deep end. Is that cool? I don't know if you like to get in the pool that way. That's how I like to get in the pool. If you like to just jump in head first, then uh, that's just not how we're going to tackle it. Okay. You can still get in the pool that way. That's just not how we're going to do the questions. Okay, so the first question I had that it made me laugh was, how did the rooster song start? So, great, great story here. Um, the song originated actually in the Psalms and was written by King David of Israel in the Old Testament. He's the guy who killed Goliath. Uh, he was a great king, um, so it's got a lot of roots. None of that's true. Um, the, the song actually was written, I don't even know by who. It is an old song. Um, if you search it, you can find it, but it doesn't sound exactly like the way I do it. I did learn it from my youth pastor back in 1998. Show of hands, how many of you were born by then? Only leaders are going to put their hands up. Yes. Um, so 1998 is when I learned the song from my youth pastor, and I've been singing it at Westridge to middle school students since 2000. So for 18 years I've been singing this song. Um, if you ever, like, eighth grade, when y'all get up to high school, if you really want to me- mess with the high school pastor, Todd Hampton, ask for the rooster song every week. Just, just do it, and he'll hate it. And so it'll be fun, and it'll make me laugh. All right, next question I got was, and this is like a personal question, but I thought I'd answer it. How long have you known April, and how long have you been married? So my name is Brad. My wife's name is April. We've been married. Um, for 11 years, but we've known each other for 15 years. So I, I met her. She moved here from California. Yay. Yay for marriage. So I met her when she moved here from actually Oregon. She went from California to Oregon and then moved here to Georgia uh, to get to know her dad a little bit better. She came to a Bible study I was at at Westridge and started to date my best friend. Yep. Yep, true story. But that was okay, because I was already dating another young lady. And so I, I was, that's totally fine. But then my wife, April, dumped my best friend. I know, it was like, ouch. He's okay. He got married to someone else, so it all worked out. Um, and then 
the girl I was dating dumped me. And so then, like six months later, then me and April started dating. And so there you go. Um, All right. Next question. How long have you been in ministry and how long have you been at Westridge? The answer is the same because ministry started for me when I started coming to Westridge, which was 18 years ago in the year 2000. That's how long I've been doing ministry and how long I've been at Westridge. Next one is a super deep theological question, so we're just going to jump right in. What is your favorite fast food fry? And that's an easy one. It's Zaxby's. Some people like to argue with me and say, no, 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 no. It's the classic greasy, thin McDonald's fry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then other people are like, no, 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 Brad, dude, it's the, it's the, it's the sweet waffle fry from Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then some people are like, dude, it's like the paper thin ones from Steak and Shake. Those are the ones that you want to get. And I'm like, here's the thing. And then some people like the Arby's curly fries. Like that, those are good too. But... My favorite are Zaxby's, and here's why, okay? I want to tell you why. So if you're like, no, you're an idiot, that's okay. Um, They Number one, they put seasoned salt on it, not just salt. They put seasoned salt on it. That's different. And number two, because they're the crinkle fries, when you dip them, they get more sauce on the fry. And I'm a fan of sauce. So I dip my fries in sauce. I don't just eat the fries. So this is why they're my favorite fries, Zaxby's fries. If you've never had them, check them out. They're good, and there's my, uh, there's my fry answer. Okay, now, we really are going to start to ease into some serious questions. Okay, you ready? So here's the first one. Not super deep, but it is a little bit more serious, okay? It's a biblical question, and it's this. How was Adam made, and out of what material? We've actually talked about that in here, which is cool that you are asking the question, because then I get to say the answer again. Um, it's Genesis 2. Verse 7, it actually tells us that Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. Now, if the question is, how was Adam made, like, how did God do that? I don't know. Like, the Bible doesn't say that. No one was there because no one had been made yet, right? So there's no way for us to know unless God just told you, this is how I made Adam. It says formed him out of the dust of the ground. So I would imagine it was something like the way you would form clay. That's somehow how he made Adam, but I don't know. I wasn't there, but that's all the information we have is it was out of the dust of the ground and God formed him. So ultimately we're all made out of dirt. So there you go. There's the answer. All right. Next question. Y'all ready for the next one? Okay, here we go. Why do loyal followers, I'm assuming of Jesus is the question. Why do loyal, loyal followers of Jesus have to deal with unfairness like loss, unanswered prayers, or sickness? So now we're getting into the serious stuff. Um, this is something that Pastor Brian on Sunday actually talked about. So if you're here on Sunday, you might have heard it. If you weren't here, that's okay because we're going to talk about uh, the answer tonight. But ultimately, sin broke the world that God created. Okay? So God created the world. It was good. But then sin happens. It breaks the creation that was good. Um, but Jesus promises us that this world will have trouble in John 16, because of sin, we're going to have trouble. So the reason I'm bringing up sin is because sin is the reason we have trouble in the world, why we have things that we're even needing to pray for, why we're having sickness in the world, why we're having loss in the world. All this stuff comes from sin. We talked about this in the beginning of the year. We were designed and made to live forever. 
We weren't meant to have loss. We weren't meant to lose loved ones. We weren't meant to die. But sin, the penalty of sin, we talked about this in here too. What is the penalty of sin? Death. So death enters the world because of sin. So Jesus says this. He's like, okay, well, because of sin, now you're going to have trouble. But he doesn't just leave it at that. It's not like, hey, your life's going to stink. The world is hard. See ya. Like, he doesn't just tell you the bad stuff and then leave. He actually, in this same verse, says to take heart because he's overcome this broken world. So this is why we talk about Jesus all the time in here. This is why we talk about the hope we have in him. It's because he's the one who's conquered the world. He's the one who's conquered sin for us. Now, when you start getting into things like unanswered prayers, right? That one's tricky. Because you might pray for something that doesn't line up with what God wants to do in a situation. Would you agree with that? Have you ever prayed a prayer, God, please... Let me get an A on this test. Anyone ever prayed that prayer before? Yes? Okay. Now, let me ask you this. What if God doesn't want to give you an A on that test because he wants you to learn to start to study for a test? You ever thought about that? And and here's what you're thinking. Well, if God's a good God, he would not make me study. I want you to really think about that for a second. Does that really make God good to make you not study? The smart Alex in the room will say, yes, it does make God good to not make me study. The, the ones who actually are using your brains for a second know that the right answer is not for God to just take care of all your problems all the time and take care of all the knowledge that you need to learn and just you ace all your tests with zero work. Like, we're actually called to work. Did you know that? Like, in Genesis, God makes Adam and Eve and he actually tells them they have to go work. But it's not like a chore. It's not like a bad thing. Have you ever had so much off time? Maybe you had this on the break. Like you had so much off time that you get bored and you're looking for something to do. Work is meant to be something for you to do that's productive, that that causes something to happen that's good. It's not meant to be this thing that you like dread. So us working is actually something that you're designed for. And it's why you get bored. And it's why you want something to do. We all want something to do. And so anyway, the, the point being, unanswered prayers aren't always a bad thing. It's, and they're not always unanswered. They're just not answered the way that we want them to be answered a lot of times. And we already talked about loss. Loss is a result of sin, ultimately. We weren't meant to die. We weren't meant to lose people we love, which is what I assume uh, this person's talking about when they say loss. And then sickness is the same thing. Uh, our bodies weren't made to have things like cancer. Um, but because of sin... Our bodies are now broken. This world is broken. Things like that exist. And so that's why we have stuff like that in the world. So that is the first kind of serious, deep question. Now we're going to move on to the next one. And this is kind of big, big questions, okay? And we've talked about them to a degree, but it's it's two questions asked kind of at once. And it's this, why did God make us and why did God make sin? So we've talked about this, but again, if you're, if you're asking the question, it means it didn't click. And so I want you to ask it so we can talk about it again. Because I want to make sure you get this. And you need to know one, number one, God creates and he loves. Like he's a creative, loving God. That's just who he is. So if it's like, why did he create us? It's because that's what he does. He creates things. 
But not only to create us, he created us to love us. And for us to know his love. And so this relationship is why we exist. And we talked about that the first several weeks of revolution. And you can see the fact that God made us in Psalm 139, 13. And then you can see that God loves all of us from the probably most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3, 16, right? God so what? Loved. God so loved the world. So he, he loves all of us. So he makes us and he loves us. This is why he made us. Then why did God make sin? Well, God didn't make sin. We actually made sin. God gives us this choice to choose him. And when we choose anything other than him, we sin. And we see that happen in the very beginning in Genesis 3. But there's evidence of that all through the Bible. But not even just there. You see this every single day. I see this every single day. People choosing including myself, choosing things that aren't God or aren't what God called us to. Those things, those choices, those decisions, and those actions are sin. And so God never made sin. We actually made sin. So the question might have really been, why does God allow sin? Maybe that's the real question that this person was trying to ask. The choice, right? To take away the choice to love him would then make us, the people he made, would that make us really love him if we don't have a choice of whether to love him or not? I heard one no. Anyone else agree with that? No? Let let me ask it a different way. If I told you, not even you, what if I told my wife? If I told April, I said, April, you will love me. (laughs) Even me saying it like that just then, I know some of you are like, ew, that just sounds bad. Why does that sound bad? I love her. Now she will love me. I even heard a few of you go like, ew, that's not good. That's, that's bad, Brad. Don't say that. I'm not going to say that to her. I'm just telling you, what if God did that to us? He makes us. He loves us. And then he's like, you will love me. And he gives us no choice in the matter. Could God do that? He could do that. He's God. He's powerful, like all powerful, so he could do anything. He could make us love him. But if he made us love him, the question is, do we really love him? Because love is this choice that we get to make, that God gives us this choice, this amazing freedom. And so for us to choose to love him is for us to really experience his love. And so it's not that God ever chose for sin to exist. God never wanted sin to exist. Because what does God want? He wants all of us to choose him. But unfortunately, we don't always do that. Therefore, sin does exist, even though he didn't make it. So again, we could go on and on with this longer. We just don't have time because we got more questions. But hopefully that starts to help you understand and wrap your mind around this a little bit more and maybe ask some more questions in your small group later tonight. All right, the next question, and this is another big one. Is it okay to be a Christian but also be gay? Is being gay, lesbian, or bisexual a sin? Now, if you don't know what any of those things mean, I'm not going to describe them. You can ask your parents about that, but ultimately these, these titles and these identifications are describing same-sex attractions, okay, in relationships, okay? So that's what we're talking about. 
And so the first question is, is it okay to be a Christian but also be gay? Well, you can be a Christian in sin, right? You can be a Christian and struggle with all kinds of things. The only thing that makes you a Christian is who? Jesus. Following, believing, knowing Jesus. That's what makes us a Christian. So the thing about being a Christian is you're also called to this thing called repentance when you sin. And we see that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and a lot of other places. But that's one place you can look. And then according to Scripture, same-sex attraction isn't a sin. Just like a lot of things that you could be tempted to do aren't a sin. But acting on it is, and we get that from several places, but one big one is Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. But the thing is, we're all tempted to sin. You're tempted to sin, I'm tempted to sin, not just in the area of relationships, in all kinds of areas. Yet God gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit to not give in to those temptations, and we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So God knows that we struggle with temptations. As we're growing up, we're tempted to do all types of different things. Sometimes I've heard students and I've heard adults say both, like, hey, I just feel like I was born different. Like, I was born attracted to someone that's like me. I'm not going to argue with that. I was born tempted to be, like, really prideful. And that's sin, too. So I, I don't think that there's any argument to be had about whether or not you're born with a desire to do something. I think we're all born with desires to do different things. And some of us have different desires, but ultimately not all those desires are good desires. I had desires as a kid to punch my brother in the face. I never did it, but I desired to do it. Did that make the desire okay? No, it doesn't. And I'm not trying to make light of of what our desires are, because there's all kinds. And some of them are just obviously wrong, and some of them aren't so obviously wrong. So we have to ask God what's right and what's wrong. And that's where we go to to figure out what's right and what's wrong. Is God, you tell us what's right and wrong because you authored life. You're the only source of absolute truth. And so no matter what I might think or I might feel, I need to know what you say about this. And so these are the things we see in the Bible. That you can be a person who struggles with whatever sin... And still be following after Jesus and growing in that relationship and knowing God and know that God loves you. Because God loves, we just talked about this, who? Everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter what you identify yourself with, how you you identify yourself, what things you are tempted to do, God loves you. And so in that love, God calls us to repentance, to anything that's outside of the best for us. And God lays out all kinds of different things that are the best for us. And this question represents one of those things that isn't necessarily the best for us because of the things that God has already set up and what he's described. So, again, a lot more conversation we could have about this. And we actually are going to talk about this more At the very beginning of 2019, we have a whole relationship series we're going to get into where we're going to talk about all kinds of things 
wrapped up in relationships. And we'll come back to this thing again, this question. Um, so just know we're going to talk about this more. But that's kind of, a again, a jumping off point to get into some answers uh, to that particular question. The next question that we got that we're going to tackle tonight is, what if heaven isn't real? What if Islam or Judaism are right and Christians are wrong? Why should we believe? So here's the thing. Sometimes people hear a question like that, and if you're a Christian, you might get offended. You might be like, what are you talking about? Why? What if heaven's not real? And what if I'm wrong as a Christian? Okay, number one, you don't need to be defensive about anything. If you are following Jesus and you believe Jesus is who he said he was, he's the Savior of the world, right? He's God's Son. And all that stuff is true. Do you really have anything to defend? Can Jesus defend himself? Y'all remember when Jesus is getting arrested in the garden and Peter tries to defend him and he gets his sword out and he goes to chop the dude's ear off? And Jesus is like, stop, Peter, put your sword away. And he heals the dude's ear and he picks it up off the ground and puts it back on his head. It's this crazy moment. But Jesus is like, if I needed someone to defend me, I could have thousands of angels here anytime I needed them. So for us as Christians, if you're in here and you're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. If somebody says anything questioning your faith, you don't need to get defensive and attack them. That doesn't help anything. That doesn't do anything good. Because the question is an honest question. Like, how do we know Christians are right? And you really should ask that question at some point. Like, how do I know I'm right? Why do I believe what I believe? How do we know heaven's real? Quick question. Has anyone here been to heaven? Okay. Let's see. We got some people not telling the truth. Because if you've been to heaven, then you wouldn't be here right now. Um, so, how do we know heaven is real? Um, well, there is... This thing called faith that we have when it comes to things like heaven. We've been told about heaven. We have this thing in, I think, in us that longs for something more than just this place. But as far as physically being in heaven, none of us have been there. So there's a huge element of faith when it comes to the specific issue of heaven. And there's a lot of... uh, uh, I don't, not a lot, but there's a few verses that speak to heaven more that you can jump into if you really want to study heaven. But I want to talk about the rest of this stuff uh, a little bit more. So how do we know Islam and Judaism, uh, how do we know they're not right and Christians are wrong? Well, John 14, 6 says this, okay? It, it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Okay, Jesus said that. So that makes it to where... You couldn't just say all of the religions are all pointing to the same God and you can just basically use any religion you want to get to heaven. Jesus kind of put the kibosh on that whole idea with this verse. John 14, 6. He's the only way to heaven and to know God again. So that would mean these other religions that don't believe Jesus is the only way, the truth, the way, and the life, the Son of God, they don't believe those things. So that would mean they aren't the way to heaven and to know God again. Does that, does that make them idiots? Absolutely not. Does that make them stupid? No. Does that make them evil? No. That's not what it makes them. But it does mean that all of these big world religions aren't the same religion ultimately. It does mean they're not all pointing to the same thing and, and ultimately saying the same thing. 
Are there things that are similar? Yeah, there's things that are similar. There's things like love that pop up in both those places. There's this, this just idea of God that's in both those places. But it's a little bit like when you have someone who talks about someone that they don't really know. Like if you talk about a celebrity and you're just saying things that you heard on a news show or you saw on Instagram or that you read on the internet somewhere and you're telling me stuff about that person as if you know them. Do you really know them? You might say a few things that are true and you might say a few things that make sense. But then I go and talk to somebody who actually knows them and I get a different story, right? I get more details. I, I, I actually learn the fuller story of who this person is. It's a, li- it's a little bit like that when we start talking about religions. There are parts of different religions that are saying things that are true about who God is. They're true of his character. They're true of um, what he's done. But then there's, there's certain parts of it that aren't accurate. They're not true because they don't match up with what the Bible is saying about who God is. So then the question can become, well, how do we trust the Bible? How do we know the Bible's accurate? And that's a whole other question that we don't have time for. But there's a lot of evidence, and there's a lot of copies, and there's a lot of reasons that I personally have chosen to believe the Bible over anything else. And then one of the other reasons that this particular question stuck out to me is because of the last answer I put up there. God also uses life experience. What do I mean by that? Well, in all of the other world religions... There's an element of working your way into heaven. You have to do enough good things to get God's grace. To get enough of whatever it is you need to get into heaven. The only religion that doesn't have that is... Anyone take a guess? Want to take a guess? Is Christianity. What, what does Christianity say? Believe in God, that's good, but all of them say believe in God. What's the specific? Believe in Jesus. Okay, we're we're, we're mixing some languages, but that's cool. Okay, all right, you guys are on it. So yes, Jesus is the key. He's the difference. He's the one who earns your way into heaven, not you. You don't do anything to earn your way to heaven. Jesus earns, his, earns your way into heaven because Jesus is the only one who can. Christianity is the only religion that says that. And so if you look at life, to me that makes more sense. Then I'm going to do enough good stuff to get into heaven. And even then it's not like for sure, like maybe. That, that just doesn't seem to make sense because of how much stuff. And what if I do my math wrong? Some of you... Athens, bad. Math wrong. Some of you, I've seen your grades in math, and it's bad. If, if your eternal life depends on your math skills, you're in trouble. So, life experience tells me a good God who loves me, it makes more sense for Him to provide the way back to Him than me to provide the way back to Him. Does that make sense? So that's what I mean when I say life experience. Christianity, the way of Jesus, and him being the way, the truth, and the life actually makes sense to me as far as what I've experienced in life. And so then the question would go to you. Does it make sense for you? 
Does that make sense when you think about all that? Because I think God gave us brains on purpose. Like, think about that stuff. Figure it out. But he does lead us and show the way. He gives us this thing called the Bible. He gives us this thing called each other and relationships to help us find him and to find out that the way is Jesus. So, hopefully, again, that gets you going in the right direction without answering every single bit of that question. But we do get into uh, a lot of the answers that point towards a lot more answers. So, here's the last question we're going to tackle tonight. And it's this. What if a friend is talking about suicide or cutting themselves because they're depressed. What do I say? What do I do? How do I help them? So this is a big question, and this is one of those questions that I know is super relevant. Every year, we have several students in our community that make this decision and commit suicide, and we have Every year, students in this room who are hurting themselves to cope with something, who are having these thoughts that are void of hope, they don't see a way out. And so I know this is a relevant thing. I know there's several of you that this is a, this is a like right at the front of your brain kind of question because you deal with it all the time. Whether you deal with it personally or you have a close friend or a family member who's dealing with it. So number one, I want you to know that it's, it's a serious thing. It's a real thing. It's an honest like, thing that we struggle with as people. And God is there in the midst of it. And so number one, if you're the person who's interacting with somebody struggling, if it's anything to do with suicide, you need to tell their parent. Or at the very least, a trusted adult. And I know most of us don't want to do that because it feels like we're ratting out our friend, right? We're like going behind their back. It is so much further from the truth. We would only tell somebody because we love this person. I've had to call people before when a student talks to me about anything like this. I have to call parents. I have to call guidance counselors. I have to call people. Not because I want to get this student in trouble. Not because I want them to get grounded or anything like that. It's because... We've got to help each other when we go through stuff like this. And the people who love us the most need to know so they they can help. And so what happens when we struggle with this usually is we try to isolate ourselves. We try to pull away and get aside and not let anyone in because we want to try to deal with it ourselves. Either because we're ashamed or we're embarrassed. Or we feel like we're weird because we're dealing with this. And all that stuff is just, it's just not true. Like, we need each other. And for us to open up when we're dealing with stuff like this is what we all need to do. And so what should you say? What should you do? I mean, just listen is one big thing. If someone's voicing just struggles they're having, like they're really down, they're, they're struggling with depression, whatever it is. Like, listen to them. Just let them vent. Let them say what they have to say. Try to encourage them. Speak positivity into them. You can pray for and with them. And it kind of depends on if this person, you know, is open to that. You don't want to just, like, force them to pray with you, right? Like, oh, you're struggling with depression. Let's pray. And you just make them pray. I mean, you don't have to make them do anything, but you can invite them to pray. Like, 
is it okay if I pray with you right now? If they're not up for that, that's totally fine. Then you can still be praying for them. In your own time, you and God, you're, you're begging for God to intervene for this person and to show them hope and to, to encourage them and put people around them to support them and love them. And then just continue to help them and pray for them to feel and know that God loves them and that there's hope. That there is a God, he exists, whether they believe it or not, he loves them, that there's hope, there's something beyond the situation that they're in. And so if that's somebody you're talking to, that's some of the things you can do to help them. But if you're in that, that's something I would tell you, is that there's hope. There's a God who loves you. Even if you feel like no one loves you, no one's for you, God is for you. God loves you. It doesn't matter how alone you feel. God is there. And he wants you to reach out. He wants you to to talk to somebody about it. He has people in your life on purpose to help you with moments like this. And so just know that there's hope. And so if it's you who's trying to help someone see that there's hope, don't try to do that alone. Ask them if you can bring more people into that to help them. But again, if it's suicide, man, we just got to tell somebody because we love these people too much. And nothing is ever that far gone. Nothing is ever that hopeless for that to be an option. And so what's awesome about that is that's true of all of us. Like that's a true statement for each and every one of us. And so with all of these questions that we're tackling tonight, the kind of overarching theme and the thing that kind of plays into all of it is the fact that God is bigger than we can imagine. He's always present. He's always true. He's always pursuing us and he's always loving us. In the midst of all of these questions that we have, these struggles that we we, we bring, and he's ultimately the source of the answers. So we might not have got to your question tonight or we might not have answered your question as fully as you wanted us to. But just know if you keep seeking God, you will find him. If you keep looking for the answers and you keep asking him for them, you are going to get to something that you've been looking for. So I just want to pray for you right now. Wherever you're at in the midst of all these questions, if if you were right in the middle of one of them, if you've been wondering the same thing, if you just are now wrestling with the answer to some of those questions, whatever it is, I just want to pray for you to be able to ultimately find truth, ultimately find Jesus, and be able to rest in Him. And we're just going to sing and thank God for the fact that He's a good Father in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of us choosing other things other than Him, and even having a hard time with sometimes what the answers are, that He's still good. And even saying it when we have a hard time believing it and asking him to help us believe. So let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the fact that you give us answers to some of life's biggest questions, God. You are continually challenging us to grow and to learn more and to press further into who you are. And I pray pray that these students would do that. 
that I would do that. These leaders would do that. We would keep looking to you for the answers of the questions that we have from life. So God, we thank you that you're here and you're a good, good father. We thank you that we can come to you. We can search for truth and when we come to you, we can find it. So be with each one of these students as they wrestle with their questions, as they wrestle with the answers. And I just pray that we would all be able to believe and trust in the fact that you're a good, good father in the midst of whatever the answer is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.